Definitely agree. Um, if you could recall when you first got started, you know, what was the inspiration behind pursuing this line of work and how were the early days? Like, what were the early days like? Well, the early days were back in the deep into the prior century. So, I mean, uh, but I came out of school with a management science degree, which is basically advanced mathematics to build models. So I got into running factories and uh, using that, those techniques. And, I got, and then I would implement computer systems to run those factories better. And I got more interested in doing that than I did in running the factory themselves. Mm. So, you, you know, anytime you're, you're, you're running a manufacturing operation, you're trying to make a monthly number and, you know, it's a Sisyphus. You push the rock up the hill till the 30th or 31st of the month. The first of the month comes around, the rock's at the bottom of the hill again. I got more interested in putting in systems than I was in running the factories. So I, I changed jobs a couple of times to get the next implementation project. And I realized, okay, quitting to get your next project was pretty silly. So I went in and joined a software company and went through a couple of them and realized, okay, now I'm product constrained. I got all the implementation pro- projects I want, but I'm, I'm constrained to a set of prod- products that these people offer. So I parlayed that into what was Arthur Young, which then became Ernst & Young Consulting. Um, now I got all the projects I need. I got, I'm not product constrained. And, um, you know, 15 years in there, I worked my way up. I was running the entire manufacturing, high-tech and automotive sector across all of Europe, Middle East and Africa. I had 5,000 people, you know, several hundred million dollar P&L. And I was in an airplane from Amsterdam to Atlanta. And when I was living in the Netherlands. So when you're an expat American, you pay taxes in the country in which you reside. And then that is credited against your U.S. tax. So you're not taxed twice to figure out what you owe in that country is called the physical presence test. So you literally, I got out the, the, uh, the little PDA and started figuring it out. And I'm like, oh, that can't be right. So I got a pad of paper and a pen in January, February, March, and I figured it all out. And it was still the same number, which was 72. So out of 365 days in that year, I was home 72. And there set my wife on a nice estate in the Netherlands with three-year-old twins. And dad was home six days a month. So that the, the light went on that, you know, the, the more power, more money, more span of control uh, is a slow and insidious, you know, it seems like the right thing to do. Then I just suddenly realized this job ate my life. So unraveled it within a couple months. We're living back in Silicon Valley. This firm is open, and uh, 12 years later, we've managed to do just fine. And I got about, I make about a quarter of the money I did as an Ernst & Young partner, but I've, my strength, stress level is about a tenth, and I got to be a, a scout master and a soccer coach and all sorts of other things I would have never been able to do. Right. You know, we, we, we see this, um, the former trajectory, uh, which is quite popular amongst young entrepreneurs. They want to have their sort of freedom and they want to dictate the narrative of their life. But if we could talk about the importance of having a job and getting experience, because essentially working for, for a company that big, you not only get to learn a lot, but you're learning at the expense of the company to, to a certain extent where a lot of young entrepreneurs want to immediately venture out on their own and, and figure it out. So I'm curious to hear what you would, um, you know, tell them. I, I think that's a very insightful comment, Arsh, from the standpoint of, um, and I mean, there's great stories about Zuckerberg, the Harvard dropout, and, and, you know, went and created Facebook, and now he's a billionaire. 
you know, there's there's not many of those stories. Not that that's not possible, but um, working my way up through the ranks at Ernst and Young, it, it taught me. I got exposure to many industries, many different issues. Um, my especially with supply chain, um, you know, but I got I got a real broad, you know, global experience and built a network that you know. So for a young entrepreneur getting started, the first thing is, and LinkedIn is kind of Facebook for old people, us dinosaurs, but I mean, manage your network rigorously. Never, you know, everybody is somebody's somebody. So, I mean, our business, we're a several million dollar consulting firm and it's all done through our personal networks. We, we, we do compete for things, but we're not answering RFPs. We're not dialing for dollars and making cold calls. So first thing for is, is one of the, bases for going out and working for an organization is a expanding that network b getting some experience in a lower risk environment where you're actually an employee somewhere um c the other thing that you need to learn as an entrepreneur which i you know i see a lot of them i do a little coaching you know just for friends and family and their kids mostly but take the accounting 101 course know how to work a, a balance sheet, know how to work uh, an income statement. I mean, so you got to be able to keep score. You may have the best product, the, you know, you might be a genius at whatever it is you're trying to pursue. You got to be able to keep score. And there's nothing exciting about accounting, but, you know, one of my favorite things to do is when the invoices get paid is distribute the cash to my people, right? So uh, we run a business that's an entirely 100% variable comp for everybody, including myself. It is a sell, build, or starve model. And being able to, um, you know, know how to work the money and work the banks is an important part of being an entrepreneur. Okay, so back to your first question of is it valuable to gain experience in the corporate world? I believe so because you'll learn some of the fundamentals about business, about, you know, establishing relate business relationships. Um, and, and as I said earlier, networking. Yeah, that, that completely makes sense. Um, there is somewhat of a disconnect between the understanding of that very concept and the illusion that, you know, by starting something, playing the probability game, which is, which we do see does work for certain people, but the probability is extremely low. But a lot of people bank on that and consider that action, you know, risk taking. They think they think that if I just start my own company, don't get educated enough, just get you know the bare minimum, I may be able to make it, and some some somehow manage to do so. But you know, I've, I'm I'm also fairly young, and I I kind of recognized this when I was 17 that. Mm -hmm. it, it, it you have to work and get experience in the industry or category that you want to eventually have a business in. So I'm curious to hear your um, your trajectory in terms of that before you started working for Ernst & Young, you know, mm -hmm. what other experiences did you gather and how were they uh, helpful or valuable? So um, as I'd said earlier, the, you know, I, I got my diploma from, uh, a small state college in Pennsylvania. And a minute I, I was a February, you know, December graduate. So by February, I'm living in LA because, you know, and that, that was the place to be after living in, in Philly for years. Um, 
and the, took a job in an oil tool factory as a production scheduler. And it was a pretty cool place. It was a pretty cool business. And I was good at it. And then just parlayed that into the next one. And then, I, and, and so, as I said earlier, I was gauging my career growth and progress by A, the salary growth, of course, but B, how big an operation I was managing. Is it a $50 million company? Is it a $500 million company? How many people do I have working for me? All those sorts of things became kind of the metric by which I was judging whether I was being successful or not. And when I finally got off that treadmill and went to the software business, suddenly I went from having, you know, hundreds of employees to no employees in a shared secretary. I felt like a great weight had been lifted off my shoulders. It was like, oh man, I can exhale now. I don't have to do all this nose wiping and 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 back patting and all that kind of stuff. It? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, don't get me wrong. People are the business. The assets go home at night. We want to make sure they come back tomorrow. But, um, and so again, back to an entrepreneur, there's the old, if you want to travel fast, travel alone. If you want to travel far, travel as a group. You know, you're not going to, the, the lone wolf entrepreneur who goes out and makes, makes it big is a very rare story. I mean, you, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the, you know, the shipwreck sailor and the dolphins push him to shore and all that sort of stuff and save his life. It's like, well, you don't hear from the sailors that the dolphins pushed the other direction. You know, so um, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a romantic story. It is possible, but playing the odds, you know, you need to find out, you know, something that people need, something that isn't in the market, something that, you know, uh, that people are willing to pay for, something that you do exceedingly well and that you're very interested in, passionate about, we say, you know, there's those things. But, you know, it it's really a... Uh, uh, a case of nothing happens till somebody sells something. You, you, I mean, I live in Silicon Valley. It is littered with unrewarded genius up and down the valley of people who have great ideas, great you know products that just never, you know, got they got so caught up in the engineering of something cool they really didn't look at what the market was going to value. You know, so um, and and. The other thing I've found relative, you know, so my crew is mostly ex-chief information officers, chief technologies, and chief security officers. So they're not, they're, they're practitioners of their skills. They're really not used to running a consulting business. And that's what I bring to it is the sales side. And as I said, nothing happens till somebody sells something. So as you're an entrepreneur trying to launch, everybody you know, everybody you know, will take a call to help you that you go, okay, you know, say, Arsh, you're trying to launch something. It's like you call a friend and say, hey, you know, I need you to listen to this elevator pitch. I, you know, this is what I would take to my investors or what I would take to my potential clients. Tell me what's working, what's not, what's right, what's wrong, what's cool, what's stupid. You know, everybody you know will take that call to help you with that. No one you know will take the call. Arsh calls and says, hey, would you like to buy some XYZ today? Like, uh, yeah, how about never? Arsh is never good for you. Thank you. Bye. You know. But at the end of that conversation of somebody trying to help, you know, A, you get to refine your pitch, you get to practice your pitch, you get good input on critiques. At the end of the conversation, you ask that person, who do you know that I should talk to about this? So you're prospecting your network for their network, which is not usually yours, right? So when Arsh says, call Fred, and I call Fred and say, Arsh sent me, and Fred calls Arsh and says, 
Arsh, did you send Jeff? And, and you go, yeah, yeah, I did. You should talk to him. I got a lead. I got, I, I got a, a, a viable prospect, right? Because again, having a product and having a great idea and starting a business, who's going to buy it? What are they willing to pay for it? You got to validate that pretty quickly. And the other overused word here in the Valley is pivot, which basically means uh, we were close, but we're not quite right. We got to change, you know, rotate this thing 90 degrees because it's, it actually is better as a subscription service than it is as a product that we deliver, you know, or whatever the case may be, but don't be, you know, firm beliefs loosely held. Don't be afraid to, uh, to let go of something when it becomes obvious that it's not working. Don't get too dogmatic about what your offering is. 